how are you my friend i am good my man you know i i am confused though i I have confusion in my life really it's like confusion like so deep now it's like in my loins like i i feel it it's like a burning sensation but not uh it's it's all about the adult happy meal and i i'm just I, I, I'm so confused right now because, again, life is weird in a full circle way. Ladies and gentlemen, if you'll go back all the way to episode one of this show, what did we talk about? Happy, Happy Meals. Meals. That's we right. talked about the toy and the Happy Meal. Have you seen these deranged figures they are putting in the adult Happy Meal? No. no. Okay. Uh, okay. They're, they're like, it's like the bird girl. I, I forget what her name is, uh, the Ronald and, and all them, except they've got like double eyes. Like it's, it's very unsettling and strange. Well, it's Halloween. Like, well, I know, but I mean, so, I mean, it's like, that? yeah, that's what it is. It's probably grotesque, deformed McDonald land characters because kids are sick these days, Jeff. And they want, well, you know. I mean, it's sponsored by Guillermo del Toro, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's he's getting his. Uh, I would like to get the Big Mac, uh, Happy Meal, with jumbo fries. <laughs> well, and... What would happen if we melt Ronald's face? I think it would be more of a monster for American capitalism. Yeah, uh, maybe. Uh, I, you know, I will be going back next week uh, because it's either this week, this coming week, or next week where they're introducing the uh, classic. Happy Meal Halloween pails that you get the. I remember you know, the pails. Yeah. yeah. So so they're bringing those back. Uh, I think it's either this week or next week, and I'll be going back to to get those because that's a throwback to you know to our childhood. So yes. What's going on with you? Nothing. We got back from uh, you know I was out of town this past week with students. We were in Atlanta and the Atlanta area, uh, doing some uh, some film tourism stuff. So. Mm-hmm. We did, uh, you know, we did Walking Dead, we did uh, Stranger Things, and then we did some urban exploration of some places that are that were used for films, but now are abandoned. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a great trip. Uh, the students were, you know, appropriately stoked by the time we were we were done. They were all ready to to dig in and do some some good uh, final projects. We'll see what those end up being, but uh, yeah, it was, it's a great trip. Um, and it was good to be back um, in, in that kind of world of, of mm-hmm. film building cinema world building. Uh, and it's just cool, man, to see some of those sites and to just have those conversations about, you know, why did they pick this and, you know, how did they modify this and how did they make this work? And, you know, and to sort of think through and teach some of the times we had the answers. Other times we were, you know, as filmmakers ourselves speculating like, you know, well, this is a great location for sound or this is a great mm-hmm. location to to CGI or this place has, you know, multiple angles that are just really cool. That uh, Well, we're only PhDs. I'm Dr. Jeffrey Hayes. He's Dr. Joseph Watson. Uh, aside from, uh, you know, uh, uh, mining the next generation of location scouts, we uh, we also like to watch films. And uh, that's what we do. That's our, our it's, it gets in our bones, it's in our DNA, uh, as as it were. Uh, watched a couple films this week. I watched Johnny Dangerously, 1984, Amy Heckerling, Michael Keaton, Joe Piscopo, Dom DeLuise, Danny DeVito, Peter Boyle, Mary Lou Henner. I, I, oh, oh, man, I can't wait to get into this thing. Uh, and uh, Dr. Watson, you you've, you've shocked me. 
you you watched the 2022 release confess fletch i did starring the always i love john ham i'm not gonna try to hide my love john ham i I do uh uh, and directed uh by greg matola and Mm -hmm. uh you know uh i'm really interested so uh i i want to get into this because you were bemoaning last episode you said you you spend spend you've only done one i think top gun maverick was that the only 2020 two film we've done on United. oh negative sir I, we, we've talked about black phone that's uh, right we have talked, talked we, about we, black phone. i've tried to stay in the present a little bit right yeah, right but you, know. you were the one that went 80s today so i did we flipped yeah phones. yeah that's how it yeah. works but that's but right. please let's let's get into fletch okay the the right. the, or, the, the, the 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 long long 30 40 year almost i mean how yeah, long has it been 40. since fletch lives yeah it's, the 80s the 80s were 40 years ago jeff so that's uh shut your that, mouth yeah let that sink in for a minute yeah um but uh yeah this was this was you know they've talked about rebooting fletch for a long time now Ever i mean since I, 90 I, at least 1990 yeah i think it was i think it was uh kevin smith wrote a script for a fletch film that was discarded but they were still trying to get chevy chase you know back involved at some point and so i think it's kind of sat you know, dormant for a, n- a number of years. Um, I'm sure that uh, it's a property that was attractive to people but because Chevy Chase made it so iconic. You know, it, there was a little bit of hesitation about, you know, who was going to take it over. But, you know, for those that don't know, Fletch is based on uh, a character that um, is in a series of books by Gregory McDonald. Um, and back in the day, kids, uh, before there were streaming services and DVDs on trips and stuff, people would just pick up like pocketbooks, right? Like these, these wonderful little like, you know. Yeah, they short... were spinner rack cheap. You yeah, know, you just, you know. Shitty yellow the paper. They yeah, had like right. shitty yellow paper yeah. that kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Fletch, so Fletch comes from that, you know, from that ilk, uh, the 70s uh, on into the 80s. Gregory McDonald is is no longer with us, but he he left us quite a few Fletch stories um and uh and and this one is is confessed fletch it's it's one of the books in uh in that series so were the the two films from the 80s that chevy chase was in fletch mm-hmm. in 1985 and then fletch lives in 1989 uh, both of them were 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 really big hits um so uh so in this one we have john ham uh from you know mad men and, oh, and so lots of other things uh taking over the the titular role of fletch um and so let's let's talk about that first jeff because mm-hmm. i think that's probably everyone's biggest hesitation if you know fletch and you know it's history you're like well that's not chevy chase i'm not gonna you know it's sure. it, so there are some key differences okay chevy chase what's missing here with john ham's Fletch is the uh, physical comedy, like the slapstick stuff that Chevy Chase was so good at from SNL and other things. Uh, there's not any of that. And we also don't have the um, the sort of costumes and makeup and the, mm-hmm. the really uh, yes. you, all the disguises and stuff yeah. like that. Uh, that that is not uh, a part of John Hamm's Fletch. But what he is able to do very very well is balance out this wit and the delivery of the of the smart ass charming smart ass guy he just nails that um and so there were several moments where i was laughing out loud because the writing is of course very concise very good there's no time wasted we just jump right into the story 
Uh, and, you know, we have short sentences, uh, quick bursts of like smart ass, you know, re replies. And it's just, it's very good. He's very good at that. And he's very good in this role. I kind of like him uh, as, as the new Fletch. It is a different kind of interpretation of the character, but that heart of the character is still there and you can still see it. He's, you know, the most important thing about Fletch, freelance journalist, investigative reporter, uh, also huge Lakers fan. And of course, that is not lost. <laughs> that is not lost in this film. And I was very concerned about okay. that, right? Um, because uh, the, the film mostly takes place in Boston. So there's all kinds of Celtics Lakers jokes that are, that are thrown in. And it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's a nice, you know, little touch and ode to, uh, to what people would think of with Fletch being the, the uber Laker fan that, that he is. Um, but the story is, you know, just kind of a really good mystery, Jeff. I mean, it's, you know, he Fletch at the beginning of the film finds himself as being the suspect of multiple murders. And uh, and so he has to spend the film kind of finding his way out of that and proving how he is not the murderer, because we know he's not right. But everybody else thinks that he's the prime suspect. Um, but it's an art heist film. Right. So there's a lot of. Oh, um, OK. Uh, there's some Picassos that are worth, you know, $20 million that are like flying around. He's trying to find out like, you know, who stole the paintings and, you know, what's going on. And so we get wrapped up in this kind of murder mystery that's surrounding um, the theft of art. And uh, you get Kyle MacLachlan uh, as the uh, as as the sort of uh, snarky villain. Right. That uh, that's really annoyed by Fletch's like, you know, antics. Um, you got a couple of cops that are just great supporting characters. So funny. Uh, Tony. Uh, sorry. Uh, Roy Wood Jr. Plays oh, uh, uh, at Birmingham's own. Roy yeah. Wood he's Jr. a local. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Plays the plays the police chief, uh, police detective uh, Monroe and his partner Grizz, which is short for Griselda. Um, th <laughs> they are great uh, in this movie. Um, and then uh, we also get uh, exposed to Lorenza Izzo, who is mm. a gorgeous beauty. Um, uh, you might remember her from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or from a really, really great Keanu she, Reeves film called Knock Knock from the mid 2010s. Was she the, was she DiCaprio's wife? In yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we spend this, the, you know, the story, uh, um, you know, just kind of in Fletch's world trying to, you know, uh, solve the mystery uh, more or less. And, um, and of course, you know, every, everything, um, ends up fine. All the loose ends are tied up, and uh, and they they actually Jeff very cleverly at the very end of the movie. They um, I, I did some research on this. They looked uh, they 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 purposefully ended the film openly because the 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 last scene is actually the first chapter of the book Fletch's Fortune, which is the next hmm. book in the series. So the last scene is the first chapter of that book mm -hmm. as if they are hopefully leading into future Fletch iterations, which I, 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 I'm all for it. I loved this movie. I did not expect to love this movie, but I was very charmed by it. It was great to be back in the Fletch universe. And, um, you know, if, if you can get past the, um, the kind of goofiness that, that Chevy Chase had, you know, that kind of slapstick physical kind of comedy, mm -hmm. if you can get past that, then you're right back in that world because if Fletch was anything, he was a smart ass, right? I mean, he was just a great, funny, smart ass. Um, 
you know, oh, magic today. Oh, Kareem's in the wash. You Kareem's know, that, that, wash, that yeah. kind of that, that kind of you, stuff. Uh, you using it, the whole fist stock? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right there. It's just not quite as uh, as exaggerated um, as 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 you would have had it with uh, with Chevy. So props to Matola. Uh, you know, I like his work. I love. I do Adventure too. Land. I really like Adventureland. Is again for people. I I think it's an outstanding coming of age film. Like it's, it's just super bad. Is a is, super you know, bad. Is, great. Is, is another one, and he wrote on uh, on the newsroom for. Uh, I didn't um, know that he wrote on the newsroom for, for Sorkin as well. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, as well as Arrested Development, I was like, okay, this guy's, oh, you know, right. he's, he's he's been around um, and he's certainly earned his dues and props to them because something else I read, Jeff, about the completion of the movie, you know, the producers had kind of cut it and said, you're out of money, you're done, you know, you, you, know, you can't shoot anymore. And um, uh, uh, John Hamm and Matola, uh, in exchange for their salaries, uh, they gave up their salaries for an extra three days of shooting to go wow. to Rome and do some more. That's, yeah, that's I mean, that's applause, everybody. Right? Yeah. Like, that's... Um, it's, it certainly means that you're committed to what you're doing, and I think it shows uh, at the end. And so they did. The film kind of takes place mostly in Boston, but there is some stuff in Rome. And so I can... I can probably guesstimate where they kind of added some footage and it did really help like uh, for the, you know, for the story. Uh, so props to them for being really committed, you know, to, um, to it. I don't know if it's out in theaters yet. I was able to rent it on Amazon prime as part of their early bird kind of stuff. Um, was well it only, so was it, I, I'm, I'm wondering then, was it only VOD? maybe or i don't know i haven't yeah. seen uh any kind of distribution news for it um it certainly hasn't been in the theaters here um but it may get a release i don't know if it'll go straight to, to demand or not well but... and, and, and we need to be honest in, the, in in this current context you know the odds of this becoming a franchise and it launches on vod are very slim because right. it's just not going to have enough sustain it's, it's just not going to make it it's not going to make its production cost back and they kept it pretty tight i mean i you know the i mean the what are we talk about like 20 million is this like a 20 probably i don't i don't know the actual budget um i might be able to find that really quick because for once i actually have my phone open i know i'm cheating i'm cheating well it's okay i, I, I i'll allow this <laughs> Just this once, Just although this it doesn't once. list, it does not list um, the, budget. the budget. Yeah. No, it just but says based so on far, you, so far it's grossed about half a million. Yeah. So. Based on, but based on your eyeballs and experience, would you, where would you? Yeah. From my, from my guesstimation, I would say probably 20 million, maybe a little less. Um, I'm sure some of the actors did it for scale or for, you know, for, for, for peanut butter and, and jelly um, because they believe that, you know, they believe, <laughs> they believe in, in the project. Um, and uh, obviously for Ham and Matola were, were committed to it. Um, but yeah, I, I just, it was, it was such an interesting choice. And I went into it, Jeff, with some skepticism, like, you know, cause I, like you, I, those Fletch movies are beloved and, and uh, you know, the kind of relics. And I was, you know, and we are in this era where everything from our childhood is being like, you know, regurgitated and thrown back at us. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I'm hesitant, but then I was so pleasantly relieved that it worked and it worked, it, at least it worked for me. It worked really well. And I, I, I was just right back in that universe in that world and just had a had a good time with it. Laughed even without the slapstick and the and the you know the characters and stuff like that. I I still laughed out loud in several places. Like it it got to me that uh, 
that much because it's just so it's so it's just written so well it's just got such good wit to it um that yeah i i, I liked it i liked it and and uh, you still got your little things like i i just have to toss this out here because sure. it was so funny to me so mclaughlin plays haran who's the you know who's the like the baddie mm. and <laughs> this guy is really into um edm music <laughs> so every time <laughs> every time fletch goes to talk to him he's jamming out to this like ambient like ridiculous you know and fletch is just like you ever heard of miles davis you ever heard of you know like 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 somebody else you're just throwing them out like one after the other so it's just just a great little trick you know uh to to toss in there so little things like that are there you know and so like i said if you if you understand the fletch universe you know you'll 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 appreciate it i think i think it's good film well, you know, I, I was thinking about it once you told me what you were watching, and, and I was thinking back about Fletch and Fletch Lives. You know, people forget, I think, often, because they get all wrapped up in the the slapstick and the costumes and everything. You know, Michael Ritchie directed the original Fletch, and this is actually a very good murder mystery. Um, it it's When it gets serious, it gets serious. Yes. And the score of that film also helps. Um mm-hmm. Uh, because it was the same person who did Beverly Hills Cop. Um, right. you know, that and once you hear just ba da 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 it just it works. And you know, and Chase gives sorry, he gives as much as a great dramatic performance in Fletch as as you know in the slapstick stuff. Yeah, there's some he has some some really nice moments. Um and you know, those films are so like you were mentioning the music too. They have a nice little jazzy score that uh that that underplays uh underplays this one, but still keeps that kind of rhythm and tempo that you're talking about that really complements everything that goes on in those first two films. Uh whether it's just, you know, suspense, danger, tension, or or um or just the 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 sort of whimsical comedy right mm-hmm. elements. Um, but I think, yeah, in that first one in particular, you know, people forget like. You know, Fletch, uh, he owes a lot of alimony. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, uh... Fletch, are you trying to hide from me? <laughs> that lawyer is so great. Like, <laughs> um, you know, where, where he's trying to like sneak in his apartment window and the, the lawyer's like already in his kitchen. Yes. Waiting That's for him. <laughs> um, just just great stuff like that. Uh, well, but also yeah. Tim, Tim Matheson as the heavy. I know he's evil. In the, he in that, is in that so first movie. good in that film. Just cold hearted, like, evil. Ooh, and I mean, once he once the humanity wipes out of his face, I mean, it is just gone. I couldn't agree more because he he has that, you know, Matheson was an animal house, right? Like, it was, oh, like, yeah, that's what he made yeah, his yeah, career yeah, yeah. on. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you think of him as being this kind of like goody two shoes, like pretty boy, you know, fratty. Um, yeah. yeah, frat boy guy. Right. Um, uh, and then uh, once he has that turn. Man, he is cold-blooded. I don't have a problem taking a life at all, right? I mean, right. He pulls out the gun and, uh uh-oh. I want you to, I want you to kill my wife. You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's essentially what the setup is, right? Yeah, I'm fakely, I'm, I'm dying, which turns out is not true. And I want you to, you know, I want to get the inheritance, and you're going to do it. He gives it. What is it? Two weeks, something like that. Like that gives him time. And of course, you know, his Fletch is like, eh, something's fishy. I, I don't, you know, I don't buy it. So. But, but I'm not going to get too deep into that because I also, you know, Fletch Lives is an inferior film. Oh, be careful uh, there. Be careful well, there. Well, I and I mean, you on that. 
okay well i mean inferior in the way that it's a, <laughs> it's it doesn't it completely drops any type of attempt to get to the you know more serious crime element mm, of it mm, you know mm. we're we're playing this for laughs right and it's you know i mean come on jay no, that's I'm fair, not, Jeff. That's I, no, fair. well, no, no. I'm not going to throw any shade. I, you know, the, one of the funniest things ever is when he becomes the embellic, you know, the the, the TV and <laughs> evangelical guy. I feel something. You know, it's just like I'm burning in my brain. You know, I mean, it's just. You, you so get, it, 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 there's a, the Louisiana element too, right? Because it takes got place that going. in Louisiana, uh, and and I don't think anybody, if you've seen it, if you haven't seen it. You, you need to because of this particular sequence but when they spoof song of the south oh god in that movie it's a little mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> it, i think it's great like well, i mean I but it's also it hilarious you, you know well you've also got Cleavon little uh-huh. you know from blazing saddles so i mean yeah. it, it's just i could see what they were trying to do and it just it just it it works but yet somehow it just doesn't land fully uh, you know if we're ranking them, yes, I would put the 85 version, the first one over uh, over the second one. But I do. I still have mad love for that sequel um, uh, for, for many of those reasons that we've talked about. But I think the the televangelism and the and the, the the making fun of the BTS and the and just how it's all rigged and, all, and it's just it's just great. You know, um, so if you haven't seen the Fletch movies. You should oh, you should no, really absolutely. delve in. Yeah, yeah, you should really delve in. They're they're great little films. They really are. Yeah. And and they've and they have been called out. And I'm gonna segue into Johnny Dangerously with this too, because I think that <laughs> this is the this is what we need to talk about and that has come up in the show before is that we're talking about now the difficulty of the eighties, especially the eighties comedies mm-hmm. um in our now more politically correct, you know, uh oh line of thought and it's not that it's you know politically correct people are wrong it's just that you know we're having a time right now where it's it's hard to contextualize these films uh mm-hmm. and you know because again i shouldn't feel guilty for laughing at something but yet i do and yeah. it, it's it becomes and we have students and we have these conversations with students because yes. we put these films forward and you know it's just like uh, uh when a student watches the goonies and goes i didn't understand you know the the asian stereotype and all this i'm like well you're not wrong i i you know i mean it's yeah. just like but yeah you know, so where is that line? Where where is that line of entertainment and laughter and you know all of that? Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know. Um, I I think that it's like I think I think we've both agreed that you can't just shelve these movies and pretend that they didn't exist. I'd rather embrace them and talk about what's problematic about them in in 2022. So I'm I want to have the conversations um because I think that they help me learn just as much as they do um our students. So um you know and there there are truly some I'm sure that you're going to mention some things about Johnny Dangerously that uh, that that would not hold up very well in 2022, um, but you've got we've got to have those conversations because they're they're you know uh, they're having the, these are the movies that their parents loved, these are the movies that an older generation loved, and so um, it's important to have that kind of contextual conversation 
and say, well, we've grown out of this, or we don't look at it the same way, or we reshape the humor to be something different, you know, uh, in 2022 than it was, you know, um, in 1985 or, 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 or earlier. Um, with stereotypes like that, you know, it's even more complicated uh, because some of the humor to me in, in, uh, in some of those early comedies comes from the communication confusion, right? Like, like just cultural differences um, and the way those cultural differences are perceived and that the humor comes out of the confusion, right? And it's not right. that either side is really right or wrong. It's just more about, isn't it funny that we don't know as much as we should about another culture? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that kind of uncomfortable kind of humor uh, that we all kind of default to when we are in a situation where we don't know what we should know, right? Or we, you know, we, <laughs> we realize, oh, I should know more of this than I really do, right? Uh, and, right. and, and, and I'm going to make a joke about it uh, because I well, don't know humor, what I should know. Humor at the expense of someone. There you go. Right? I think, I think that that's really where we get into the problematics. It, yes. You know, and, and, and I'm sorry, but the, the 80s comedies abuse that. Like they did it a lot. They did you it know, on yep. every level imaginable. Like it was just all over the place. So uh, um, I had to walk back to Zaz, uh, uh, Zucker Abrams and Zucker. For those who don't know, um, they made Kentucky Fried Movie. They made the original Airplane. They made Top Secret. They made Top um, um, Naked Gun. Poli- Naked Gun Police Squad. Um, Hot Shots. You know all the quote unquote they basically invented the parody genre as we 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 came to know it but when you go back you know kentucky fried movie and airplane there's just no way man i it, it it's it's so it's definitely some guys sitting in a room going making each other laugh you know and and that's it and 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 you know somehow that tapped into the cultural zeitgeist you know I, I have no explanation why airplane caught fire you know other than that i think it's funny yeah. uh, and and, and <laughs> there were definitely you know and what were they you know people don't even understand or remember the context of airplane is that they were parodying disaster films that's right the, from the 70s yeah yeah airport yeah. 77 airport 78 like all of these big uh, earthquake yeah. uh you know all of these things but yet that got lost at some point because airplane took on a life of its own because it created a specific genre of comedy, you know, that had not really been tapped before. I mean, I think the startling statistic about airplane is like, there's a joke every 25 seconds, something it's, it's insane that they, they maintain that momentum. Right. Like for the, for the whole thing, you know, Um, but it, it influenced so many people and then of course it made money bottom line right so you know then studios were like well we want to get in on this action you know and and you know so so let's start making parody films or you know these type of films so that brings us to johnny dangerously in 1984 you know uh this is an attempt at making a crime comedy film a parody of 30s you know crime and gangster films and first of all mad love for amy heckerling I love Amy Heckerling. This is She's a great. She is a smart lady, uh, a, a impeccable uh, director. Uh, she she knows pacing. She knows comedy. Johnny Dangerously. So the parody here is this again. It's it's about uh, 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 
crime and gangster movies. You got Michael Keaton in his absolute comedic prime. This is before uh, any dramatic stuff he was going to try. This is off a of night shift, Mr. Mom. I mean, this is when everyone thought Michael Keaton was just going to do comedy because he does it so well. Yes. And he is just so likable. And again, that white smart ass, you know, but, you know, Keaton as a smart ass is not mean. He, he's just sort of just like, ah, I, I'd say that, you know, I, that's how I would be. You know, where, where Chevy Chase is more like you're never going to beat Chevy Chase, but you could see yourself being a Michael Keaton. Right. Yeah. You know, more that's, relatable. Yeah. He, yeah. He's super relatable. And also, man, Joe Piscopo is amazing in this film. He his deliveries in here, you know, once I had to, he has this whole runner about once, you know, my mother did that to me and she only did it once, once, <laughs> you know, they do this whole runner. But it's just it, that brilliant gag building uh, with his character. Uh, you know, in, in everybody here is a stereotype of some sort. They, of course, the most famous one is uh, is Richard Dimitri. Richard Dimitri was part of Mel Brooks's troupe, and he plays an, Ital- an Italian gangster, I think. Like, it, it, it's hard because he looks very Middle Eastern, but hmm. yet I, I can't quite lock this down because I, I think the joke is supposed to be that he is Middle Eastern but he's considered an Italian mobster and he brutalizes the English language, especially like foul language, saying things like ice hole and Fargan. And, but man, when he gets on a rip, like, you know, you, I have something to say to all of you, you ice holes will never Fargan understand who, you know, I mean, it's, See, you're Where's laughing like one, well, the one that I remember is um, if you don't stop, I'm gonna put your penis in a sling. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I you know, and it's not, it's I mean, it's not at least my laughter is not intended to be insensitive towards anybody. No. It's just it was just funny. Like you might have had a Shakespearean actor who came out with a goofy accent and did, mm. you know, I mean, I, I just I don't know. It's it's just comedy to me, um, and it's not going to make me think negatively about about anybody. But um, you know, uh, but yeah, there's so that's I didn't know that he was of the Mel Brooks. Uh, yeah, he came out of out of the Mel Brooks family. Uh, also, we got a lot of sense. That makes a got, lot of sense. We've got Griffin Dunn in here playing mm. Ke- Keaton's younger brother, who becomes the DA, but is only driven by wanting to lose his virginity, <laughs> and they have this. They have a literal animated bit in the middle where Johnny shows him. It's just like, you need to go back to law school, kid. Here's right. why. Don't worry about your testicles. And like he plays a film that's just like you and your testicles. And yeah. we have like this long film where the testicle blows up at the end. And Griffin Dunn jumps up and, just, and Johnny's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going back to fucking law school. It's complicated because you've got good bits like that. And, and by the right. way, this is a very dumb film. This yes. film is really fucking stupid. Well, and exactly. Yeah. You know, you, you set out, you know, it's not, it's like we're not winning any Oscars with this, guys, right? It's like we're, yeah. we're going to have a, a, a fun time, right? It's going to be right. a fun comedy. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, where it falls apart is really in, and I don't know, I would be very interested to ask Amy Heckerling this. It, you know, they went for, Let's get her. 
let's get her. Let's get her. Uh, we, you know, everything's fabricated. It's on a back lot, you know, the classic, you know, streets and everything. And then the interiors are obviously built sets just like they would have done on sound stages in the 40s. And I got that part, unfortunately, in color and in the 1980s. I think the cinematography is off on this because it looks like cardboard and it mm. looks really, really cheap. Like mm. the, the, also the, the well, pet shop. Was, Jeff. It probably was really cheap. I don't know. Oh man, this, this film couldn't have been $5 million. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I, I, I just, yeah. I'd be amazed, you know, cause again, this is Keaton before it's Keaton. So you're right. still getting him, right. you know, uh, Piscopo's on Saturday Night Live. Uh, Dom DeLuise shows up for a scene as the Pope. Uh, and steals it as Dom DeLuise always does. Yeah. Um, uh, in in uh, even Danny DeVito shows up late um, as a sort of uh, closeted lecherous uh, agent of sorts. It's who is then Johnny dispatches him by releasing a bull into a restaurant and marring him to death. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it, it's that level of of just silliness. And ridiculousness yeah. and i i completely agree with you and this is where escapist comedy completely unrealistic comedy completely gag for gag's sake um what actually seth mcfarland's a billionaire on right right, right? i mean it's right, just like right. and he and he would even go oh i love johnny dangerous like you yeah, know what i mean it's yeah. just like why do why is it that it's okay for some but not you know what i mean like it just well, it okay so look at okay. look at it this way this is this is where i like to sort of turn the corner on this conversation is look at somebody like robert townsend with the hollywood shuffle look oh, at the my God, so look amazing. at the wayans, wayans brothers, brothers right yeah. like how they were able to take ownership back right and mm -hmm. spoof their own culture right and spoof um uh, the stereotypes that God. existed in their own culture you yeah. know that's I'm gonna where get the you genre went right and that's i'm gonna that's get you sucker right yeah i'm gonna get uh, you don't drink your juice in the hood that's right they also people forget it was the weigh-ins that started the scary movie franchise that's right you know that's right uh and you know and and that's all coming off of shows like in living color mm -hmm. uh with where jim carrey was on that show as mm -hmm. well um you know and so uh you know i think the genre may have started out being unfairly tipped towards um maybe white people making fun of right. other stereotypes but it certainly flipped you know um in 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 uh, in the genre at a certain point where you know um you have uh african americans making fun of white characters and all. i mean it's mm -hmm. you know it's that you know that that it's like it's almost like this is a genre where nobody is safe right like some, some somebody's gonna get get spoofed at some point right uh, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what your race or your gender or whatever is right you're 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 fair game at that point mm -hmm. um just because of the nature of the sort of gag genre right that we're mm -hmm. that we're talking about um so that's where that you know that's where i like to turn the corner in that and to say you know well it's been it's been since it's been you know kind of balanced out in some ways because we've had uh, other representation and other interpretations of uh, of that kind of style of comedy and stuff like that so yeah i mean god where would um you know dave Chappelle, uh mm -hmm. where would uh, key and peel like all of these you know mm -hmm. wonderful comedians very talented uh where would they be you know if people like uh zucker and abrams and mel brooks and some of these guys you know like started doing that kind of uh comedy you know mel brooks is making fun of jewish culture like forever right left um, and right i mean, I mean 
I mean, come on, you know. Uh, so, uh, so the genre has a history, you know, and it's mm-hmm. not, um, it's, it's not. I think it's easy to kind of pick one out and go, you know, and demonize it and and to say, you know, well, they're all just trash and terrible. No, it's, it's. Let's pick it out. Look at the context. Let's look at the at the longevity of the, you know, of the of, of the genre. Where is it? You know, where is it come? Where is it now? You know, I mean, look at Amy Heckerling doing movies like this in the mid '80s, but then. Ending up doing like uh, "Look Who's Talking" and then "Clueless" and then you know, I mean, I mean, you know, just really uh, expanding her repertoire of what she can do comedically. Um, and I'm know. sorry, I'm I'm more offended by a a, a, a baby uh, with the voice of Bruce Willis uh, internally <laughs> than I am at Johnny Dangerously. The movie was a huge hit, in I know, and I've never figured it out. They made I, a I, sequel to that too. I they've think. made like four fucking films of it, and, and like I, I've never baby. got it. I've never got it. Talking babies. It wasn't really ever my cup of tea either, but um, I, I I did see the first one, uh, um, and uh, I never made it past that. But the because the first one was enough, I was like, okay, I get it. You know, I mean, I get I get where the humor is coming from, and and I guess why people think it's funny. It wasn't funny to me, but it did work for some people, and and that's you know that's fine. I just just, just expanding. But I think we're we're hinting around the fact of it's tough to do comedy today, Jeff. Mm-hmm. It's tough to do comedy. It's tough for stand-up comedians. It's tough for filmmakers. It's to, you know, it's tough for talk show hosts. Like it's you know, it's it's tough uh, to do comedy because, uh, rightfully so, we're more informed and we're more aware of things than we used to be, uh, which is great. Um, but at the same time, comedy is has always been that place where we find where the limits are. You know, where we where we discover where our personal and cultural boundaries lie right like you know that's that's not funny to me or that's not right. funny that's degrading or you know but mm-hmm. but you need that cultural barometer and you need those people who are going to push those those limits you know i mean george carlin used to say the seven words right that you mm-hmm. couldn't say right lenny bruce like so these it's a strong history here you know of what comedy is supposed to do and how it's supposed to function in our uh, in our culture um and uh, it's not meant to always be taken seriously. How how will how will <laughs> I mean it's comedy, <laughs> right? I mean, so that you know, from from since we're talking about genre in general, like where 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 does how does the parody genre come back now? Like it eventually will, because it's just you're not going to keep it down. You know, it, it's how do we how does it look? You know, moving forward now, I, I have no answers for that because I I'm you know. Uh, I I think it gets sillier and and more you know uh, um, outrageous. Yeah, I mean, I think the 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 best kind of parody thing that I've seen in the last couple of years was really Schmigadoon, right? I mean, mm. where you're you know yeah, you're kind of, Michael Key. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you're 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 kind of making fun of uh, the musical genre, um, and so you know I guess, I guess that's ripe, right? Because nobody. <laughs> <laughs> nobody's really tackled that one right and there's just a lot of stuff there that you could all of all of us theater nerds in the audience just went oh <laughs> 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 it on. It on. Um, everybody that i've recommended that show to has has really you know gravitated towards it and and, and really liked it um but yeah i mean i think uh I, I don't know um i think we need another period of genre films right where i mean because that's where you know i think where the scary movie kind of took that franchise kind of took 
its cue off whatever was going on in the horror genre, right? And whatever was being taken care, taken seriously in the horror genre, they were like, okay, hold my beer. We'll, you know, we'll make we'll make right. fun of that. Um, so we kind of have to just, I guess, wait and see where the genre films go uh, over the next several years to see if there's enough recurring patterns to kind of come through and and make fun of it. Um, but yeah, and, and, you know, there's probably others out there, but Schmigadoon is the first one that sort of popped into my head as being a, a, a parody of, of, yeah. of genre films, you know? Um, and again, it's not a, it's not a movie. That's a, that's a TV that's a show. Series, but, um, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's certainly still, the parody film is not dead. It's still out there. It's just um, kind of changing iterations a little bit, I guess. And so we're, I guess we're still in a wait and see mode until they do scary movie nine or whatever, whatever, you know? Oh, it will come from franchise. It will have to come come from franchise. Yeah. Yeah. At at some point, somewhere, somehow um, it'll, it'll come out and horror, I think is probably the easiest Mm -hmm. to, uh, to spoof um, because there's such a fine line when you're making horror films to where you, (laughs) you know, if, if you're not careful, your horror film or your horror effort will turn out being very funny as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to scary. Uh, it's a fine line there. Uh, you know, uh, there has to be that sort of real strong sense of believability in, in horror where you're, where you're like, otherwise you're sitting there going, Oh, come on, you know, uh, come on. That's, well, that's why you got to go back and watch. They shoot show. the Michael Myers five times. Why are you not dead? You know, that kind of stuff, you know, he should be dead by now. He should be know. dead friend. Like that or, uh, you know, that's why I say you got to go back and watch your Joe Dante's, you know, Uh, you got to go back and watch people who did it really well. Um, And yeah, I'll throw Joe Dante. If if, folks, if you don't know Joe Dante, go watch uh, Gremlins, for instance, by the way, which is a holiday horror comedy. Put those three together and tell me who's been doing that. I'm telling you, man, the secret sauce to Gremlins, if, if, Mm -hmm. if you've never seen it, is Phoebe Cates has this monologue. Oh my God, it's so good. Second act where she talks about her dad dying in the chimney, trying mm-hmm. to come down as Santa Claus and surprise them on the, you know, but they found him there like, like days. I mean, that is like awful. And it's, <laughs> it happens in the middle of this like horror comedy. Uh, and it's just, it comes out of nowhere, but it's like, the, that's a dark, twisted little film uh, and really should be counted as a Christmas movie. It is opinion. a Christmas movie. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Uh, which which speaks better than the uh, the trailer I saw this week for uh, uh, David Harbour's playing Santa Claus, and it's going to be basically like a uh, action revenge film. Oh yeah, although you look confused, I can't wait for you to Google this. David Harbour as Santa in a revenge film. That's right. And he's dressed as Santa the whole time, or he he's... is Santa. Oh, he is Santa Claus. He's not dressed as Santa Claus. I see. So this isn't a bad Santa kind of thing. This is a Mm -mm. David Harbour is playing Santa Claus who is out for revenge. Yes, for this little girl. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I'm watching the emotions go over your face I mean, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I mean, you're forgetting that I'm the kid that in 1984 snuck into the video store and rented Silent Night, Deadly Deadly Night. Deadly Night. (laughs) Because that was the first movie that like had an evil Santa Claus, right? Like Santa mm-hmm. Claus is a mass murderer. And um, I, I was like, oh, I got to see this, right? You know, um, 
and convincing my brother, you know, it's like, it's not going to scare me. Go ahead, rent it. Um, and, uh, and, and getting it. And I remember the cover box art for that. Mm -hmm. It was like a chimney. You had the Santa hat on top of the chimney. There was like a bloody ax, like hanging down from the chimney. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I got to see that movie. That's going to rock. Um, uh, and, and yeah, it was pretty terrible, but the idea that, you know, um, that we could tell these kinds of stories, David Harbor, Okay. All right. Is it is it being marketed like as a Christmas movie or it's coming out at Christmas? Okay. 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 Yeah. Okay. So we have a new entry in the horror Christmas comedy canon to look forward to. All right. Well, it's I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I think we could have enough. There there is enough Christmas stuff that is already out there you know, and I have to be careful because several of my friends make movies for Hallmark and, and Lifetime and yes, they, they make their careers let's tread lightly it. here. Come uh, on now. And so, you know, I certainly don't want to diss what they do because, you know, it is, it, they're, they're making films, you know, they're making mm -hmm. it work uh, and they're, they're, they've, they've found their market and their niche and they, they know what they do and they do it really well. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's enough of that content out there. And so it's nice to see at least somebody trying some, some different things for some different kinds of stories, you know, um, and anything that can, that can disrupt Christmas for me is, is a positive. You old Grinch. No, I'm not. Well, I mean, I am to a certain extent, but it's the commercialism, Jeff. It's the, it's the commercialism people forget, you know, um, and they go all crazy about, you know, having to buy the right ornament or the right, you know, present or the right thing. It's like Christmas is just about hanging out and being with people and that you love and appreciating what you have. And it's about giving. It's not about getting, it's about giving. Right. Well, uh, I know, I know someone who's not going to get an adult happy meal. If that's how you feel about it. Well, it depends. Depends on what kind of toys they're putting in the Happy Meals <laughs> at Christmas. I'll uh, I'll send you my creepy grimace. Uh, do you really have a creepy grimace? No, I'm just I'm just all right. I because okay. I, I need me one of those now. That was like I want the disfigured McDonald Land characters. That would be amazing. Like, why has nobody done that already? You know, there's enough people out there who would go buy that, like me. Dana, get the car ready. <laughs> <laughs> gonna happen it's gonna happen gonna happen uh, you, you can get in touch with us a number of ways uh you can email us lonelyphds at gmail.com uh, a quicker way at least i think so is you can click on the link in our show notes go to our discord that's where we chit chat put stuff up about this episode previous episodes future episodes whatever the hell's on our mind really uh anyway uh that's how you can get in touch with us and until next time i'm dr jeffrey hayes I'm Dr. Joseph Watson. We'll see you then.